0: In 2018, my last book of poetry came out called Bone Antler Stone, and it is about prehistoric Europe. It's about 60 or 70 poems that take you from the Ice Age caves up until roughly uh, contact with Greece and Rome. And one of the questions that came up uh, from readers, and actually it was one that, that I thought about a lot as I was writing them, as I set out to write them was uh, basically, how do you write about archaeology? Because that's essentially what it is. Uh, the, uh, the peoples who lived in Europe before their contact with uh, Greece and Rome either had no written language, or uh, they had it, and it was uh, uh, really only used by a specialist group, you would think, by the religious specialists. And those people were uh, not keen to write down their secrets. So how do you write poetry about those people? How do you write poetry essentially about artifacts, about grave sites, about uh, monuments? Um, how do you take essentially a uh, what you would think of as a documentary about Stonehenge and try and write a poem about Stonehenge? Um, one of the things that i made sure to avoid at all costs was to use the word ancient to use words like that Uh, because to them of course they were not ancient they were just living their lives and even if they came across monuments that uh, were centuries or a millennia uh, older than they were um, it would be a different sense of what that kind of age meant than what it means now to have sort of stars in your eyes and uh, want to go to Stonehenge at the summer solstice or something like that. Uh, the other mistake, to me anyway, it's a mistake uh, that I tried to avoid, was to uh, sort of take the easy way out, which is to uh, come across a, an amazing piece of uh, an amazing artifact or piece of ancient artwork or a burial uh, or a monument like Stonehenge um, and to uh, imagine yourself back there or to uh, use the first person pronoun back there um, if I were at Stonehenge or, or to just uh, talk about your own visit there Uh, There's a poet that I really love and respect who wrote uh, a series of poems about the Ice Age caves, I think about Lascaux and Altamira, and she, instead of writing poems about the caves, she wrote poems about her visits there, and um, I'm all for autobiography and poetry, but this is the one time when I think that the author should uh, probably disappear Uh, behind a description uh, or an imagined description of what those places must have been like at the moment in the time. And really the other way, and that's the poem I want to share tonight, uh, is to take a description that was written by the Greek and Roman sources and uh, expand upon it or extrapolate on it. Very often I realized that what I was doing was the old uh, creative writing class exercise which is to uh, start with a sentence from somebody else and then make the poem uh, finish the poem yourself in this case uh, my source was the Germania of Tacitus and that is uh, for those who aren't aware of it you should go and find a copy of it it's only about uh, 30 pages in translation, and then there will probably be 50 pages of notes after that. But uh, this is the Roman author Tacitus, who, let's see, he was born about the year AD 57. And um, the Germania is considered one of the earliest examples of uh, uh, anthropology, I guess, cultural anthropology. Uh, And it is supposed to be about the the, uh, German tribes living north of Rome at the time. (coughs) And in the 45th uh, section of the Germania there is this paragraph. Uh, Tacitus says, beyond the Siviones is another sea, sluggish and almost motionless, which is believed to be the girdle and boundary of the earth. For the last rays of the setting sun continue to shine until sunrise, bright enough to dim the stars. Popular belief adds further that the sound of the sun's emergence from the sea can be heard, and the shape of his horses and the rays on his head can be seen. Thus far and no further, and the report is true, does the world extend. So you get a sense of uh, the popular story that Tacitus has heard. Um, the popular belief uh, extends slightly into uh, Roman mythology as well. The idea of the sun being pulled by uh, uh, a chariot, which is being pulled by horses, and uh, and this is also a story from the edge of the known world. Uh, and then just to give an idea of how the notes work, at least in this edition. Uh, This paragraph uh, uh, appears on page 60 of the translation that I have, and the footnote for it appears on page 132. You could spend the rest of your life uh, reading and writing and studying the Germania and the footnotes to it. And the footnote to that says, Greek and Roman writers report the popular idea that the setting sun hissed as it dropped into the sea. None except Tacitus connect the rising sun with the noise, but in German folklore uh, the term daybreak, and I believe that the uh, word here is Tagesunbruch was associated with a sound. And forgive me if I got that pronunciation of that German word wrong. so you have those two, those two things, and I saw that, and I said, yes, that needs to be a poem. And this is the poem that came out, it is called The Sun Sets Into the Sea, and it is one of my favorite poems in the entire book. The sun sets into the sea with a hiss, and rises with the sound of a driven wheel, the creak of speaking stone, metal, and wood. The sun sets into the sea to simmer and rises with the sound of stretched leather and the song of the horse's chain and bit. The sun sets into the sea and is doused and rises with the sound of reborn flame rolling into another red morning. The sun sets into the sea, and the sun disappears down into extinguished light, a golden disk diving to a dark blue. But the sun rises as the night retreats, and rises like some cart out on the road, setting to the old labor of daylight, a wounded wheel and an exhausted gear, chipped and scarred and with a battered hub, like an old mad father afraid to die. But he always dies when winter comes, and sets colorless into the sea. Gray sun into the iron waves, the sound of sinking. So that's how you get to that poem. And I hope uh, over the next while, maybe to do one or two of these poems a week from that book, um, to just talk about that. Uh, I remember in one of the only poetry courses that I took in college, Uh, we were given the assignment of Robert Lowell's Skunk Hour and uh, uh, the advice the teacher gave was uh, you know, I'm giving you uh, a poem that is you know, about a page, half a page long, printed out but I want you to spend as much time with that one page as you would with, say, an entire short story And, um, and so I think and you can certainly email me if you think otherwise Um, i think that where necessary uh, and if i think the story is worth telling um, i will surround the minute or so it takes to read the poem with uh, some useful comments especially since this stuff is archaeology and uh, ancient history there i went using the word ancient there uh, Classical history, um, uh, old Europe, as they say, Uh, it's a lot of things that that, uh, many people don't take much of an interest in, and so it'll be fun to to sort of uh, point the way a bit and hopefully uh, justify the poem sitting there by itself uh, at the end of the day. So, to start with that first poem.